Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think all place pots are the same? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. Yep, it's Emma's with you on a Sunday, recording directly after the action, which I quite like, actually, and joined by a long-time listener, first-time caller, somebody who is one of the best presenters in the game, one of the best interviewers in the game, and one of the best people... When it comes to musings about racing on Twitter, <laughs> it's giving it away straight away. You were already on the list anyway. It literally states your name on the podcast. Laura King joins us on the Final Front Podcast from Dubai Racing TV, also a contributor to the Racing Post and to the excellent thoroughbredracing.com, which I highly recommend you check out. Laura, welcome. A long overdue <coughs> welcome to the Final Front Podcast. And welcome to Ireland as well, by the way. Thank you. For the first part of that, I thought you were introducing someone else until you said musings. I think musings could probably also be uh, termed ramblings, but uh, there we are. But thanks very much. Very nice to to join you. That's great to have you on. As somebody who has travelled the whole world and has been to all of the major race meetings, coming to Ireland and arriving here just when crowds are allowed back in, you timed it well. What did you make of of Leopardstown? To start there, first of all, and and how they handled Irish Champions Weekend and what the crowd atmosphere was like. Well, it's my first time to Leopardstown, actually. When I came to the inaugural uh, Irish Champions Weekend, I was at the Ledger in Doncaster the first day. So it's my first time to Leopardstown yesterday. It's a lovely course. Um, I thought it was a really well-appointed course. It felt like somewhere that needs a much bigger crowd and could easily handle mm. a much bigger crowd, as, of course, does the new Curra, which is, is great. We'll get onto that in a bit. But it was lovely yesterday. I had a kind of atmosphere of a reunion. People were walking up to each other going, oh, it's so great to see you in 3D. We're all so sick of talking on Zoom. And the racing just fantastic across the two weekends. I love that the, the fixture does this, that it moves across the two tracks. I think that's just a really... And a novel thing that, that nowhere else does. There's nothing really similar, is there? I know Breeders' Cup moves every year. There's yeah. not another two-day fixture like this. I think it works really well. And it was lovely to get to Leopardstown a bit briefly yesterday. My journey from Ireland, uh, from Dubai took a little bit longer than planned. But uh, not to worry. I made it for a bit of it anyway. Excellent. And slight car rental issues as well. But Go to yeah. go to my good friends at Enterprise from now on. Don't deal with that crowd anymore. Just that enter- would have been good information before, but thank you. I'll bear it in mind for my next visit. After timing. I'm always here for you, Laura, with, with some good after timing. <laughs> uh, Laura hit me with some good after timing beforehand as well. Uh, in terms of the Curra, it was 
so I, I couldn't go because I've been diagnosed with COVID. Yay! Uh, just as everything uh-huh. opens up. So uh, I was absolutely gutted not to, not to be there. But there was a spine-tingling moment on Racing TV when the music uh, and Racing TV are doing Racing TV Extra, so you can just watch Leopardstown for the entire day, um, which is great on, on Apple TV. And the the moment where they played Stand By Me in tribute to Pat Smullen, uh, just before the Moiglare, and of course he wore the Moiglare silks so often and to such great success as well. And um, I saw in the background that an interview was being done with Francis Crowley on RTE uh, on Racing TV, and I switched over, and there's my friend Brian Gleeson um, chatting to the head of the charitable foundation that are um, uh, so benefiting from the generosity of the uh, racing public uh, who are supporting cancer research and uh, and Francis as well. And it's it's amazing that it's two years um, and since he passed away. It's amazing to think that in 2018 he was there and uh, we had the, the Pat Smullen jockeys race that he was going to be part of. And... Um, just the the emotion that you could feel coming through the TV. I, I suspect that if I was there, I would have been in, in tears. Um, it, it just seemed like a really powerful moment that seemed to to get everyone. Mm, it really wasn't. Uh, the the things I wasn't really, I didn't know it was coming. I wasn't really paying attention. And there was, there was obviously music coming on via the screen throughout the day intermittently. And then all of a sudden it went really quiet. Everywhere went quiet. And I was like, what's going on? And I looked around and everyone was just staring at the screen. And then I realized what it was. It was it was a, a really magical moment. And then I, I, this is a, a unique Irish race course thing, I think. People just come up to you and they start talking, which is lovely. And two people came up to me and said, oh, did you see the, the Pat Smullen tribute? And I said, yes, it was wonderful. And they said, will it be on in, in the UK? And I was a bit like, well, I, I, I don't know. Um, and they said, well, people should see this. And I, I totally agreed. I thought it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Well, they will have seen it through racing tv um, and, um which is which is great uh, i don't know if if kevin interviewed francis i assume he did i think he did there was mm, a brief period I had to had to skip away but um we'll try and get francis on the show ourselves because they're doing a, a big um cycle uh to raise yes. funds which is fantastic as well but um the car itself so the car has um had its issues and um to say the least uh, including the famous whistling sound from the stand. Uh, did you hear any ghost trains as you were there? Um, was was the stand looking better? How, how was everything? Well, it was my first time there for two, three years. The last time I, I was at the car, it was very much a work in progress. And you could kind of guess where everything was going to be. But I was really, really impressed today. I nearly got lost going in, whole new entrance. The whole place just seems so much bigger, so much more impressive. I mean, it should be. It's the home of the Irish classics. Mm. And what they had before really wasn't good enough. And I didn't hear any whistling uh, at all. Uh, There wasn't, obviously, a huge crowd there. Again, it felt like it kind of needed more people. They've built the facilities now to to withstand a huge crowd. Um, A lovely atmosphere. The thing that I get from racing in Ireland that I really don't get anywhere else in the world is is the welcome. Everyone, from from the person who helps you park your car, the person who sells you a, a coffee is so friendly and welcoming. And the other thing, as I mentioned, is that people just come up to you and start talking. 
and they're so knowledgeable. I had a guy who just volunteered himself for a TV interview. And I said, okay, yeah, no problem. And he was really, really good. We had this great long chat about love and would she get beaten? And if she was beaten, would she be retired? And it was it was fantastic. You, you just don't get that anywhere else in the world where often people have gone racing for social reasons. So I love the car before because of the friendliness. And now I think it's just got fantastic facilities. And I think they've, they've made a really good job of it. They corrected the initial problems they had with viewing. And I did speak to Brian Kavanagh, who, of course, will be taking over there in November. Mm. He said, the Curra has to work. That's kind of what Irish racing needs. And I think under his guidance and, and the team there with Evan Arkwright and, and, and everyone else, I think that they'll they'll really work on trying to get the, the local crowds on board with it, um, which the venue really deserves now. Yeah, very much so. We were very critical of it, uh, Sarah Lyman and I. And um, because it's Ireland... We then, of course, got abuse for that. It's like, how dare you? How dare you have a go? And um, I was in Paris Longchamp for the Bastille Day, and um, it was Grand Prix de Paris Day. And Dave Yates turned to me and he said, "Did you just get the head of the Curra fired?" And I went, "What?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guys in charge of the was Derek McGrath. He just got fired. Yeah. Um, and it look. The place was a mess. It was it was an abs- it was an unmitigated disaster, and um, I say full credit to Pat Keo and what he has done, and uh, and full credit to Brian Kavanagh as well, and the support that he has given from Horse Racing Ireland, and that they didn't back down. That when the mistake was made with the roof and that awful sound was piercing through the television and through your soundbar or through your Apple HomePods and making you go ah. Never mind actually being there uh, with children being being terrified that they made the developers pay for it, that they made them yeah. fix it. And it wasn't a case of like sometimes in Ireland we'll be like, ah, Asher, Asher is grand. You know, we'll sort that out. But um, uh, the way you've described the Irish welcome on the race course is just perfect as well, by the way, because that is exactly what an Irish race course is like. It's it's such yeah. a such a friendly place to be. And it. It is a place that you can meet people. It is a place that, that you can meet like-minded um, fans of, of this fantastic sport of ours. So yesterday, we saw Aidan O'Brien's only winner of the week. And in fact, Aidan O'Brien has had, he's had more than 40. Um, my screen is saying 40 runners. He's had more than 40 runners. I think he's had 40, I'm going to say 47 with one winner in the last uh, two weeks, mm. which is not good. Uh, and that winner is St. Mark's Basilica. And it was frustrating that it was a small field, but it was the right horses, as as Andrew Blair White was saying in the preview, that we have St. Mark's Basilica, uh, Tanarwa, Poetic Flair, and then you've got Patrick Sarsfield there to make up the numbers. Those three are really high-class horses. It was a controversial finish, but St. Mark's Basilica has everything that you want in a top-class racehorse. And more importantly for, I suspect, what his next destination is going to be, unfortunately, it won't be the racecourse. I think he's going to be heading to Coolmore, and that's that. Um, He has a deadly turn of foot. He has an incredible CV. He's got a beautiful pedigree. He cost a fortune, and um, he is going to be a very, very popular stallion. 
Oh, he's a lovely horse. He's an absolute beauty as, as well. And yeah, he's won five group ones in a row in three different countries. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And if he's doing it while the stable are under a, a cloud, then more, more power to him, really. That makes him an even better horse, doesn't it? Um, I think he's a, just a, a, the, the full package of, of a racehorse. And um, it's probably controversial to say it, but it's not the end. Of, I, I'm, Aidan O'Brien is an absolute master of his profession and he's a credit to Irish racing and he's also the nicest person you could ever meet. Yeah. But it's kind of nice when other people get in and steal the headlines, isn't it? And oh, he yeah. did win the, arguably the big race of the weekend. Oh, well, it so is. It's the feature. Too worried. Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't be too worried if I was uh, Team Bally Doyle. They won the big one. And, you know, it's probably good for the health of Irish racing when Jessica Harrington, Jair Lyons also have very, very good weekends. Johnny Murphy, of course, as well. Yeah, you end up in a situation where you've got Shane Foley riding a treble and Colin Keane riding a treble on the same race card on the same day. Um, it was just fantastic at Leopardstown, and um, uh, that that is good for the for the health of the sport. In terms of of Colin Keane, obviously he was on board uh, Tarwana for Dermot Wild. Um, this is a stepping stone to a certain extent, to the arc for her. And uh, we'll be talking about the arc in, in depth in a little bit. But Dermot Weld was very frustrated that this result was not turned around. And Angus McNay broke it down on racing TV because you have those beautiful lines um, at the Curra. Mm. And it's it's almost like a running track. Uh, you, you could almost imagine Usain Bolt doing the 100 meters there. And he essentially crosses over nine lines. So while there was no contact, do you think the right decision was made that St. Mark's Basilica kept the race? Um, yeah, I think it probably was, probably was the right decision. As you say, there was no contact. I thought he was the best horse in the race, um, you know, in, in how it unfolded. I can totally see why the connections of Tanara would feel, would feel hard done by, though. I mean, that, that's kind of what they're, they're there for. I mean, it's frustrating that there's different rules in different countries, of course. Um, you know, in other places, there'd be that that result would have been turned around. But I'm a big sort of fan of just wherever you can, just just leave it. I think it gives a bit of taste to, to turn things around. But there's there's no um, no harm in saying there's no doubt about it that Tanawa was was hard done by. Yeah, I, it's it's fair to say that. It's also fair to say that her her credentials are still intact. There's nothing, mm. you know, this this defeat does not preclude her from victory. If anything, her credentials are enhanced um, because she's finished somehow in front of Poetic Flair. It looked as though Poetic Flair had got second. Um, and I'd like to know your, your thoughts on him because this was his first attempt beyond a mile. And I wasn't entirely certain that he would get this trip. He traveled beautifully throughout the race. He's just, mm. he is so tough. He's an awesome horse. I love him. He was one of the main reasons I wanted to get there yesterday. Um, what he's done, even without winning, in all these group ones throughout the summer has been absolutely remarkable. And it was brave going here. They could have gone to the Mulan last week. He wanted to either support the meeting, give him extra time, or try him up in trip. And I thought it was fully justified. I thought he stayed really well. And let's assume the horse stays in training next year, as I'm sure he will. They've now got loads of options. 
Um, I think 10 furlong might might be as bad, which is amazing when he's such a good miler or is such a good miler. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it then makes you wonder what do you do with, with him, presuming he goes to Champions Weekend at Ascot. Do you go QE2, where you could have this sensational clash with Baid and meeting again with um, Palace Pier. Uh, there's the Godolphin horse who's rapidly improving through the ranks for Said Ben Sarur as well. Uh, real world, yeah. Yeah, real world. And, of course, last year's winner, the French Raider, who, if we don't mention, the French fans will get very upset. Uh, so he has that option, but he now also has the option, as you say, of... of potentially going up in trip. I know that he would have to be supplemented for that, but hey, he's earned you a million, Jim. Um, I, and you're not stuck for a few bob anyway. You're you're doing all mm-hmm. right. So uh, the Revenant, by the way, is the name of that horse. So yeah. uh, alcohol-free could be there as well. I mean, it, it could be a sensational race. Uh, if it was your choice, if you had to tell Jim Bulger now where to go, would you go QE2 or would you go Champion Stakes? I'd go champion. Um, they've moved him up in trip. He's looked like he stayed. Uh, why go back? And I also think the champion might be a, a weaker race, and, and why not send yeah. him out uh, for the season on a high because the horse so deserves it. I, I just absolutely love this horse. And if he can stay in training next year, that'll be really good because we need them to stick around. We're probably going to lose a future stud this year. You mentioned St. Mark's Basilica, Palace Pier, quite probably. Um, so let's keep this guy in training and let's see him really running all the top races next year. I mean, once they're at this level, the program writes itself, doesn't it? But I reckon that the Champions Stakes seems a good option. Yeah, it's just fantastic to see that he started his season in April and he is just, there's only been one blip and even that was just two and a half lengths behind St. Mark's Basilica, finishing sixth in yeah. France. You know, first, first, sixth, second, first, second, second, third, all in Group 1 company, with the exception, obviously, of the Guinness trial. Um, which was just a listed race, but you know he goes and wins. He's he's an absolute superstar, an absolute superstar, and um, one of my favorite horses of the season as well. And I, I think you're right. There's no reason for him to retire. I think they'll they'll keep him going. St. Mark's Basilica is a different story. So people will want to know well, why is he? Why do you have a theory, Kennedy, that this horse is being retired? I can hear that being yelled at speakers, and it's because of the loss of Galileo. And at mm. the end of the day, I love flat racing. Um, I love jumps racing. And if you ask me to pick between the two, I would find it extremely difficult for all that Cheltenham is absolutely incredible. Um, there is just, there's so much to the flat and there's so much about the international scene. And, and you get to cover that so much. And, and I really enjoy that. Um, at the end of the day, flat racing is a, is a business. And Galileo was the preeminent sire of his generation, and he's gone. And uh, it's a terrible blow to Coolmore. And they need they need someone to, to fill that void. And he could very well be the horse to do it. He's out of a Galileo mare, um, but crucially by a stallion who has been immensely successful um, an Aga Khan bred horse, 140,000, who's by a pivotal uh, stallion. And um, that bloodline that he has, St. Mark's Basilica, is, is one that people are going to be queuing up for. And his progeny are going to be some of the most anticipated on the track. And 
Some people are really interested in this and some people aren't, but I don't see him hitting the track again. I mean, unless this is some sort of soundness issue we don't know about, it doesn't make a great deal of sense to retire him before the end of the season, does it? I mean, the breeding season doesn't start till February. Mm. Whether, although maybe your theory is based on the fact, wow, he's won all these big races in a row, let's send him off to stud while he's got the aura of in invincibility. I suppose that might be something that, that, they, that they'd consider. It'd be a real shame if he, if he goes before the end of the season. I, I, I do think that. I do know that there's Final Frontal Podcast listeners who really want to see him run in the champion stakes. Um, that would be amazing. I mean, that would set up a really intriguing clash um, between the horses that we talked about earlier on. Um, so, yeah, I think that that would be a, a fitting way to sort of end his career, wouldn't it, if he was mm. to go out on the high on. Yeah. Champions Day, but uh, as I say, it'd be lovely to see him train, stay in training next year because I just don't Oof. think these horses seep into the public consciousness as as three-year-olds. I think they need to stay around for the wider world to kind of get a handle on who they are. But, you know, racing is a lot of decisions are made on uh, commercial lines and you couldn't at all blame them if they did decide at the end of the year after all that he's achieved that enough is enough or even before then you could understand the reasons that that is the dream though if he came back next mm. year but that that is oh it's a dream yeah that is definitely not going to happen um but it but it would be amazing if he did um he's two to one for the champion stakes uh i would proceed with caution look if you want to go and take a swing at him go for it but bear in mind aiden o'brien's only won that race once Mm. It's always an afterthought. Um, sorry, uh, sorry, I, I feel like that about quite a lot of their, a lot of their sort of end of season raids. Mm -hmm. um, there may be a bit of an afterthought, but they also still managed to win their fair share of big races at the Breeders' Cup and and Hong Kong and that. So an afterthought's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, you see, that's the thing. I think that what happens is they map out a program, and the program includes the Arc meeting and the Breeders' Cup, and then maybe Hong Kong. Mm. And in the middle is Ascot. And it's like, yeah. I think that there are times where they go, oh, yeah, we could run this horse. Yeah, we will. Okay, let's do that. And that's why you've had so many well-known horses for Aidan O'Brien beaten in the champion stakes um, mm. until, was it Magical, uh, who managed to, to finally get the job yeah. done? Um, but it just, it's it's a race they they target the irish champion stakes is more important the arc is more important the breeders cup is more important that's that's just the way it is for them and um some people won't like me saying that but i'm afraid that that's the way it is the coolmore america justify matron stakes did not go to coolmore it went to jessica Arrington and shane foley um who enjoyed an incredible day at just just edging out uh pearls galore i felt really sorry for patty Toomey. And Mother Earth, who, God almighty, tonight, it, in my opinion, should have won this race eased down almost. Um, she just got no luck whatsoever. And uh, I don't, yeah, I think if Ryan could have that right back, he probably would have done things a little bit differently. But uh, it goes to Jessica Harrington and um, the first of a few winners for, for Jessica. And... Uh, um, another Group One win to come a little bit later on in the uh, in the Irish Champions Weekend card, but No Speak Alexander kicked things off for her. Yeah, which which was great in a way, wasn't it? As I said, I don't think it's healthy for any racing jurisdiction where just a couple of yards win everything. But it's at the same time, you have to feel so unlucky for Mother Earth, um, <laughs> who you know as a Guineas winner is a dual Grade One winner is a, a very smart horse. 
Um, but you know, Speaker Alexander um, has not been really looked before as if she'd be, be quite up to this. But, you know, that's why we raise them, don't we? And she's a, a likeable filly in, in her own right, isn't she? And I know Shane Foley a little bit from um, his time in the past in the UAE. And it's brilliant to see him have such a great weekend. And Jessica as well, because she, she is really a remarkable trainer under both codes. And it is quite remarkable what she's done because she was a phenomenal jumps trainer and still is. Mm. And then decides, I'm going to start training flat horses. And it all almost all came, came about by accident. It was, I think she took one of her jumpers um, to a flat meeting and then was asked by somebody, would she consider training a horse on the flat for, for them? And then she has the Niarcos family uh, giving her tons of horses each season. And she's doing incredibly well with them as well. You know, she's got major owners coming to her. And it's because she's such a, a brilliant trainer. It's, it's fascinating, I think, when you see trainers like Jessica and Alan King make those decisions to get involved in the flat game. Um, but Jessica is a proper group one trainer. Yeah, she is. She's a, a very, very talented lady. I always remember her for the... Great Moscow Flyer, of course, Hero. and um, you're, yeah, sorry, and um, she is, is always seems very approachable. She seems very cheerful. She's obviously got Kate to help her, which I'm sure is a, a huge asset. And you know, she's not one of the youngest trainers you'd see around, um, but she does brilliantly with the horses she's got. And it was wonderful to see the Nyarkos family were there today uh, to lead in discoveries, which I thought was great because they've obviously been big owners for a number of years now. Yeah, big time, and uh, and big supporters of racing in Ireland as well. So uh, they obviously fancy discoveries today too, which is uh, good to hear. Uh, the KPMG Champions Juvenile Stakes went to Atomic Jones, Jarlines in the winner's enclosure. Uh, Stone Age, who had been backed from 14s all the way down to 100 to 30, gets beaten ahead. Ouch! Uh, Colin Keane has just been... On fire, he has gone on record and says that he wants to make it his mission to beat the Joseph O'Brien record for a number of winners in a season. Um, he's on track to do that. And uh, his partnership with Joe Lyons is just absolutely ridiculous. And they had an incredible day as well. Yeah, they did, didn't they? And Atomic Jones only having his second run and sporting the, the silks of, of Sean Jones, um, this one owning partnership with, with David Spratt and, and his wife Lynn as well. And I think that whenever I think someone says to me, Jay Lyons, I think of those silks, even mm. though they've had so many good horses and they've got loads of big yards now and the backing of Judmont and, and people like that. Um, it's just always synonymous uh, with his uh, his yard for me. And um, this was a, another great, we saw some great finishes this weekend. This was another really good one. He overcame missing the break as, as well. But then the second stone age, you mentioned there, jumped the path. So there were, there were a few kind of, mitigating circumstances in there but um yeah, at the end of the day their their babies are all still learning exactly uh they are all still learning and it was a phenomenal day for him it was a four-timer for Joe mm. Lyons and and that can't go under understated like this is the biggest it this was being asked about on on uh, racing TV, like how important is Irish Champions Weekend, and the jockeys who were being asked were, were saying, "Well, this is it. Like this is the this is what you want. This is what we all aim for. It's what we all train for. This is what we're we're prepped for." 
Irish Champions Weekend is the pinnacle of our year. And when you think of just how valuable the classics are and how important and prestigious those races are, it, it goes to show you what a brilliant job Irish Champions Weekend and Horse Racing Ireland and Leopardstown and the Curra have done. And and that's why it's so great that the crowd was back. It's not the crowd that we got at Doncaster, where Charlie Appleby could barely be heard, but uh, we still had a crowd there. And um, it was it was terrific to see. Um, Stone Age will definitely... He's, he's a solid moral f- to win. He's maiden. Um, did you feel he was a little bit unlucky? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, not not hugely so, to be honest. Um, I think the winner the winner just turned out to be a very good horse. You know, I think it was a, 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 overall a, a pretty good race there. But interesting what you're saying about about Jair and Irish Champions Weekend. And I know Jair isn't afraid to say what he thinks, which I think is, is fantastic mm. about him. And when I came over to the first Irish Champions Weekend, um, I think it came after a period that he. he Sort of expresses dissatisfaction with dissatisfaction with a number of things in racing, and he was so complimentary about this weekend and the concept of it. He really, um, really said yesterday he was absolutely throwing everything at it. He ran a lot of horses, um, but yeah, he he's he's been a big backer of, of the weekend, and to some extent, you're going to have a really successful one day of racing. You've got to save a lot of your best horses for it, and. Perhaps that's what he did, and it certainly worked out well for him. Yeah, big time. And what I would say is, if you were there and you managed to get to meet up with our fantastic guest, by the way, and just wander on over <laughs> to Laura and say, hey, what do you think of that race? Hey, I, I wouldn't mind doing an interview with you on the telly there for the old folks in Dubai. Happy days. I'm still amazed some blokes just strolled up to you and said, I'll do an old interview with you there in the telly. Sure, why not? Um, it was a little nerve-wracking because you never know what people are going to say, but as I say, his name was Don and he was very knowledgeable. wasn't Don McLean, was it? That'd be okay. No, now <laughs> I'm thinking maybe his name wasn't Don. No, I'm sure it was Don. Don, uh, fair play to you. Um, you have balls of steel, sir, and uh, very, very well done. Um, but the government weren't any help to Irish Champions Weekend because I, I was talking to HRI in the build-up to this and two weeks ago they still didn't know how many people they were going to have. Meanwhile, mm. at the All-Ireland Final which had been held what is it, three weeks ago now? Time means nothing to me anymore now that I have COVID and you know lockdown and all that. Uh, I think yeah, they had 40,000. They had 40,000 at... at um, Crow Park, and yet they couldn't tell the good folks at Leopardstone and the Curra, which are vast, wide open spaces where people can can go and separate. They couldn't say to them, "Oh yeah, it's you know you you can have X amount, you can have ten thousand, you can have seven thousand, you can have five thousand. No, they they wouldn't tell them. It was uh, only two weeks out, or maybe even a week and a half out before they said. Yeah, you can have 4,000. I know, it's a common bugbear, isn't it? The same thing happened in the UK. But uh, the end is in sight, I think, for the, the crazy COVID restrictions, hopefully everywhere. Oh, I see you say mm. that. And uh, we're, we're approaching winter. And um, I don't know. We'll see. But more people will have had it and more people will have had vaccines. So it'll be okay. I'm an optimist. Yeah. Well, once, well you're, you're now like the Hulk because... You've had so many vaccines and you've had it. 
that you're yes you can't get it anymore you're you're just you're immune you're you're impervious to it um i hope so i hope so i have to go for another test tomorrow for my return to dubai so let's hope i am impervious oh my but, God. Uh, yeah you, you'd, you'd think that four vaccines and a about would sort you out anyway yeah <laughs> Thank um, you. do the whole joe rogan thing take the ivermectin we're both in in the racing industry we can get our hands on ivermectin um yeah maybe <laughs> or, maybe not or swarming stuff it's approved. It's approved for him to take. The guy was getting abused by CNN. Jesus Christ. Um, over in the UK, uh, where your beloved Southampton played, and I don't know the results, so I can't abuse you. Did you win? Draw. Draw, that's fine, that's fine. That's a 3-0 win for Liverpool. Yeah, you know, grand, grand, uh, nice, nice little comfortable win today. Uh, Hurricane Lane, speaking of comfortable wins, absolutely destroys the field. I got this horse badly wrong, and I have to hold my hands up. Badly, badly wrong. Um, no problem staying, and um, he dominated. He was the best horse in the race, and he very much lived up to that title. Uh, I hope that he comes back next year. Charlie Appleby was being interviewed today on Racing TV by Kevin Orion, and Kevin did everything to try and get it out of him to see would they go arc. Um, a day arc, he was saying, is, is back in work, and they're happy with him. And he didn't rule it out. Uh, it's never been done. I think they'll go. You think they'll do it? I th- I, yeah, I think they'll go. Um, if you remember, Charlie ran three Colts in the Derby. Hurricane Lane was always the preferred of them. I yeah. get the impression I didn't. I wasn't as brave as my my colleagues on the other networks. I didn't. I didn't ask Charlie that today or William. I didn't say which one you're going to choose if they both go to the arc. Shaberham will make the decision. He is very sporting. He'll want to go in there with two chances. Why wouldn't he? It's a while since Godolphin won it. I think Hurricane Lane now might even be the leading hope because he hasn't had a setback. We know Adyar's back in full training, which is great, but at the end of the day, he still missed his intended prep. Mm. So if you ask me, I'd, I'd, I'd be on if two of them. If they both line up, I'd be on Hurricane Lane because the horse just keeps on galloping. It just He's like a machine. He just keeps on going. He looks visually slow, but he really isn't. And he's just so exciting. And I said to William Duke today, I just don't think this horse has had the credit he deserves for winning now three three group ones in, in three different countries. He's a remarkable horse and his only defeat came when he lost two shoes. Super, super horse. And the art picture has been blown fairly wide open today. So he has to go there with a serious chance. Yeah. Um, I would have said the same thing about Scorpion, but then again, I think Scorpion ran into... Hurricane Run, to be fair. So uh, he ran into an absolute machine. Uh, Godolphin ducked this race for a number of years. I think it was, was it 2019 when, when Logician won that they had two? No, it wasn't. It was the year before that, that they had two runners. Um, but for five, six years, they, they did not have a representative in, in the race. And partly the reason for that is because they just didn't have the quality. Um, mm. And that has completely turned around. And it's uh, it is turning back around for side Vinceror, but it's very much turned around under the under the stewardship of Charlie Appleby and um, the type of forces that they're sourcing, how they're being trained, how they're being prepped, how they're being uh, campaigned. And he's already gone to France. And while you can very much pick holes in the form of the Grand Prix de Paris, uh, it's a course and distance race, and he's bolted up. So. Yeah. I'd love to see him in it. I would love to see him in the arc. Uh, I think it would be mm. a great shame if he didn't take it up. 
Yeah, I suppose the, the, the other argument might be maybe keep one of them or keep Hurricane Lane for Champions Day. Obviously, he looks, you know, really a mile and a half is his bag, but they could try something different with him. Um, be a, I'd be surprised if that were to happen. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I reckon that the arc is a, a slightly bigger for, for Godolphin. It'd be one that they, they want to win maybe a little bit more, mm. um, having not won it as a say for a while. So it would be fantastic if they both go there. It really will. And I think it will happen. No, I've got no, no inside info or anything. I didn't even, wasn't even brave enough to ask Charlie today. Yeah, but you were chatting to William Buick, though. You, I didn't you, ask him either. I, I was more, I, I, did, I did say to William, what would you have done if Adiar had run in France today? Where would you have been? And obviously following the victory in the juvenile race today. And he said, I'm really glad I didn't have to make that decision. Uh, that is a fence-sitting answer. <laughs> yes, it is. He's quite the diplomat. But yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a stupid question because it didn't really matter at that point. No, it's a fair question to ask, and um, it's a it's a fence-sitting answer. Because he could easily have just come out and said, oh, well, I would have been here. I thought, There's no way I would have missed this juvenile. Um, well, yes, he could. But, but, of course, the juvenile wasn't favoured. You know, the juvenile was going up against um, Point Lonsdale. Uh, yeah, whereas yeah. a day are would have would have been favorite for the prenatal. So, yeah, it's um, a, an interesting one. Uh, Mojo Star is apparently going to be campaigned for cup races next season. To be fair to him, he made a proper race out of it. Like he, he gave Hurricane Lane a bit of a fright for a second. He had to be nudged along a little bit. But in the end, like Hurricane Lane is by far a very worthy odds-on winner of that race and has won it as, as an odds-on favourite should. But Mojo Star has... Uh, I've interviewed Richard Hannon for TalkSport and he's another horse that I've got badly wrong because he was really all about the St. Ledger with him. And I just thought after Newbury, nope, uh, no chance. And and he's run a, a monstrous race. Yeah, he's, he's just been a bit unfortunate, hasn't he, um, to run into a good horse a couple of times now and... Um, yeah, uh, you, you, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? You feel for connections because you think, oh, they're so close. But you also think how great to have a horse run second in a race like that. So a tricky one. Mm, very much so. Um, Aidan O'Brien does pick up prize money. Uh, Wayne Lorden on the Mediterranean, who has really been a, a revelation on his last two starts. So he he placed, he was second, ran a massive race under Wayne in the Voltager and uh, has then gone on to finish third in this race uh, in the ledger itself at, at a massive price um, when all the money came for interpretation. Uh, Sir Lucan, we were saying off-air, has been sold. So Sir Lucan mm. is going down under. He'll continue his career there. And they supplemented High Definition and Frankie Dettori took over and they tried first-time cheek pieces and none of it worked. And he wasn't the only disappointing runner in the race because Ottoman Emperor... There is a St. Ledger victory to come for Johnny Murta, which we'll get to talk about. But, um, oof, God, they were two disapp... They were three, actually. Sir Lucan, High Definition, and Ottoman Emperor were three very disappointing horses on the day. Yeah, they were. They were. Um, but, you know, um, it gets the time of year, doesn't it, where you mentioned Sir Lucan's already been sold. There'll be a bit of a dispersal of some of these Ballydoyle three-year-olds, weren't they? That they'll establish which ones they, they think are works in progress and which ones can go on and thrive in Australia or, or, or wherever. So I'm not sure, apart from SMB, that there's, there's been a brilliant crop of them this year. Yeah. What do you make of high definition and that whole 
thing about him because he he bursts onto the scene winning in August. He just gets up, beats his stable companion. He then goes and wins the Beresford. You watch those races back, and the way Roy DeLarge described it is, once he hits the line, it's like you go, phew, he's just about done it. Um, and I know that there were there was a lot of talk about him, and he wa- he was the Derby horse. This was the horse that was going to win the Derby, even in defeat behind Hur- Hurricane Lane. That's a that's really good form, um, because he's had a setback. He was due to run in the Bally Sacks. He was then going to run in the Derrinstown. Um, the Lingfield Derby trial was mentioned for him, and they went for the latest one of all, York, um, mm. which was a little bit similar to Japan. And he ends up missing the Derby entirely. The Irish Derby, he sent off favourite. It was a disaster. Uh, he lost lost his shoes and uh, um, ended up being very badly hampered as well and uh, was, was struck into. He then comes back. He, again, he sent off favourite. He sweated up. That can happen with Aidan O'Brien horses um, and uh, is well held by Yabir. And yet they decided to roll the dice and, and go for the St. Ledger with them. And the market had zero confidence in him on the day. So do you just have to realize that it just hasn't worked and he goes into the dispersal and you let somebody else try with him? Or do you move him to America, Australia? Do you, do you stick with him um, at Ballydoyle and, and keep going and, and try and see that... that morning glory that he shows on the gallops can actually come out as a as a four-year-old yeah i mean i reckon he's one they might stick with but they've said all along he's such a big horse he's obviously as you say had a slow start to the season maybe he's one that they put away now and we see him again as a four-year-old um they're gonna obviously keep a few to try that with i think he might be one that they do that with yeah i'd love to see him bounce back i would love to see him especially after some comments that were made over the weekend that were in incredibly poor taste. I would really like to see him bounce back and, and show people that they were wrong. Um, but the Mediterranean doesn't get the credit he deserves. And I- interpretation, to be fair, for Holly Doyle, um, again, getting to partner up with Aidan O'Brien, uh, ran a, a monstrous race, just not quite managing to hold on for a place. No, he's a lovely horse. I'm, I'm quite a fan of this one. I remember his damn flashy wings very well. And um, there's races in him, aren't there? And um, there's mm. wins in him, so maybe he's one that that, that they they keep for the the time being, anyway. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, but Hurricane Lane is definitely the horse that everyone's going to be talking about afterwards, and uh, the horse that is on everybody's lips. Uh, speaking of Saint Ledgers, the Irish Saint Ledger. Which, what do you make of the Irish Saint Ledger and the fact that older horses are turning up in a classic? One of my bugbears is the clash between the English St. Ledger Festival and Irish Champions Weekend, because I really believe that big meetings need to shine on their own. But there are good reasons for both jurisdictions why they can't move them. So therefore, the Irish Ledger kind of has to be an all-age event. And actually, I think it's been undergoing a bit of a resurgence in recent years. I mean, it was great to see Search for a Song today, go for it for a third time. I thought it was a strong race. What a wonderful story with Sonny Boy Liston, who won a mere handicap last time. Okay, it was Ebor, um, which, as Johnny Murta pointed out to me after the race, is a pretty decent handicap. It's very <laughs> competitive. But I still thought, remarkable training performance, lovely tough horse. 
And I, I'm a bigger fan of the Irish legend than I was sort of five, six years ago. Uh, it was good today. It felt like a real proper feature to the card. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And and £300,000 in first prize money is uh, pretty damn good work uh, for the for the Ebor. €285,000 in prize money today. So the um, the team who own this horse are the Kildare Racing Club. They must be loving life. I mean, what an absolute yeah. dream for them, and particularly uh, for it to be a, a hometown win as well. So it's just, it's, it is the stuff that dreams are made of. And um, I thought that the reaction for, for Ben afterwards was fantastic because obviously he missed out on Group 1 victory last year on um, Champs-Élysées with the, the injury. And um, he manages to be fit this year uh, to be able to enjoy this continued success with Johnny Murta. Uh, Johnny very much wants to be known as a trainer, not a jockey anymore. You know, he doesn't want to be referred to anymore as Johnny Murta, the jockey. He wants to be Johnny Murta, the, the trainer. And that's very much on merit because he yeah. is, he's, he's top class. Oh, he is. And well, I spoke to him, I think only about a year ago. And he said, I'd like some bigger owners in the, in the, the yard. Then he got the dolphin and he's just absolutely flying. And he's so nice. He's got the time to speak to absolutely everybody. He never turns down an interview. Mm. I think he's definitely proved he's a top class trainer. Um, and he, he's just wonderful to be around and a real great ambassador for Irish racing and racing in general. What do you make of Sonny Boy Liston going forward? So they've mentioned the Melbourne Cup, but there's restrictions um, you'll know yes, more about Johnny this than I do. He didn't seem at all keen. He didn't seem that keen. Was that talking? He didn't seem very keen. He said it comes soon enough. He implied the horse would be given a break. I tried very much to tempt him with the Dubai Gold Cup, which <sighs> takes place over two miles at Maidan in March. And he said he'd consider it. He maybe just was being polite. But you know, syndicates, they like a trip abroad. And it's a, it's, it's a nice, winnable race. So uh, that would be lovely if they decided to bring him to us. Now, what do Maidan do? Like, do Maidan lay out special treatment to to because i know that um it, it is kind of invitation only do they do they look after horses who are being sent over there or is it a case of you have to sort things out yourself but they'll help you no no dubai racing club who run racing at maidan they would uh, put on the, the flights for invited horses for the dubai world cup fixture and for the carnival which precedes it which starts on the 13th of january we have a rule that you get your flights paid for, provided you run twice. Or if you're balloted out of a race because it's oversubscribed, then you'll still get your flight covered. Um, so, yeah, we make sure people are very well looked after. That is damn impressive. And that race is worth a fortune. Yeah, we've got uh, now 30.5 million across the nine races on Dubai World Cup that day with uh, a couple of enhancements. Um, uh, having come this year to take us back to back to near the pre-pandemic levels, so that's that's brilliant. I'm sorry, Laura King. How much? Thirty point five million US across the across the nine races. So it's it's pretty it's pretty tidy. Johnny Marta, you better be on that plane. You that's better. Not, that's not just this. That's not just just this race. That's across the. Of nine. course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, we're talking like Dubai World Cup. Uh, we're talking the Shima Classic. We're talking the um, uh, the, oh, the Firebreak Mile. 
I loved firebreak uh, back in the day. We've got the fire, the firebreak's a little bit earlier in the carnival. We've got the Dubai turf over the, the nine furlongs on, on World Cup night, which Lord North won last year. So it's a brilliant day of racing. I totally recommend it for anyone who hasn't already made the journey. And Super Saturday as well. It's just yep. so much we've stuff. Got, we've an announcement coming later this week about Super Saturday and the carnival. So uh, make sure people stay tuned for that. Really? Interesting. All right. Well, uh, we'll happily do the final Furlan podcast from Dubai. Uh, yeah, and, that would be great. And uh, and and do it like we'll. I'm sure that um, I can I can persuade uh, Lucy and uh, and and Rory that we'll we'll do the the podcast from Dubai. I'm sure that that would that would be something as long as you're willing to be part of it as well. Of course, it'd be a pleasure. Well. Johnny Murta, you better be there too. Um, in terms of him being uh, a cup horse next season, there's like there was a conversation about possibly going for Dubai, as you said. Uh, and if he did that, why not Ascot Gold Cup? Well, Subjectivist did it uh, this year. That's the first time that's been done. It'd be a lovely springboard. Um, you come, you run in Dubai in March, and then you can stay fresh. You could run in between. It's a great springboard for it. Cross counter tribe as well, with a little less success. Um, but yeah, it's, it's perfect spacing if you if you want to leave a nice gap between races and win some nice money. And the ride Ben Cohen gave this horse, like as I was saying, kind of alluding to earlier on, the reception he got from from the jockeys, like he's had to come from so far back uh, because he was in the chasing group and the gallop that was set by Colin Keane on Aaron Levine, who tried to replicate what he'd done three starts back um, and for a second there I thought he was actually going to do it uh, but ultimately Toilet Payment is the one who um, first of all swamps him and then they all just come and get him um, but Sonny Boy Liston had to be had to be niggled along and pushed along and he had to find space and had to get him get him through and it was just a thing of beauty to watch it was a brilliant brilliant ride from Ben yeah, and a really gutsy horse. He deserves so much credit for just continuing to battle. And Johnny did say that after the race. He said, I knew that he would really tough it out, which he did. Um, great performance from horse and jockey. Fifth run in the race for Twilight Payment. So he is a, a very admirable stare. Uh, he's going back down under again to defend his crown. And uh, King of the Castle, he's the horse that I'd take out of the race with these... Valley Doyle horse is not exactly firing on all cylinders. I thought that he ran a, a monstrous race and was a um, little bit annoyed that they weren't paying four places. Damn. Uh, the Goffs Vincent O'Brien National Stakes goes to Godolphin. Um, so Dubai uh, with Native Trail and William Buick for Charlie Appleby, who is beginning to develop one hell of a record in this race. Um, Quattro, who we sadly lost, Pinatubu, who was a superstar juvenile, just didn't quite go on as a as a three-year-old. Maybe he stayed or everything else just went past him. Um, but when Charlie Appleby brings a horse over, you have to take very you have to pay attention and take take it seriously. Most mm. of us were looking at Point Lonsdale because he's a Royal Ascot winner and had been so impressive last time out. He was probably entitled to win that race. But he had, whether it's that some of these belly doll horses just appear to be not quite themselves, um, or whether he's actually run on merit and Native Trail is just so much better than him, I'm honestly 
genuinely not sure, but the official rating was Point Lonsdale 115, Native Trail 108, and Point, Point Lonsdale has not run to a mark of that. In, in regard to Ebro River, you could say, well, he has, because Ebro River is 114, and he's just in behind. But it, to, to me, something just seemed a little bit flat with him. Um, but you can't take anything away from Native Trail. Beautif- beautiful pedigree um, and uh, a, a fantastic victory. And a breeze-up purchase as well, um, mm. which is, is, is great. Um, he just looked head and shoulders above him in the parade ring. Charlie said he's still a bit mentally weak, so he needs to improve in, in that way. But uh, I thought I thought he was he was really good today. I quite fancied him before the race. Um, no. Charlie said this would be the aim once he won the superlative. When he picks out a race with a target like that, he's so good at getting it right. I think Fawley's is an excellent trainer. His main asset is race planning. He finds these races for them and he sends the horse he thinks will win. He doesn't run them for the fun of it. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have that sort of owners. Um, it's an exciting colt, and he goes to the Dewhurst next, as we understand it. He'll take the world of beating there, um, unless yeah. something emerges in the meantime. And when you look back at his form, he'd beaten Royal Patronage, who comes out and wins at York. He beat Mascala, uh, or Masakela, who had been well held by Point Lonsdale at Royal Ascot, but who has improved since, as Austin Murphy told us he would, and has subsequently gone on. Uh, to success in his own right. Um, so the form was there. It was there if we wanted to pay attention to it. Some did. Uh, I didn't, I'll be honest, and um, I got it wrong. There was a lot of talk about uh, Duke de Sessa for, um, mm. for Dermot Well beforehand as well. And he was talking this horse up as a potential classico. But again, he's had a pretty frustrating weekend too. Yeah, he has. Um, he, he had, um, obviously... Not much luck with homeless songs either. Um, but uh, th- this is a horse who was kind of being fast-tracked into this race, um, wasn't he? Um, after being such an impressive maiden winner. They had a go. They finished sixth. It's not the end of the world. They maybe lower their sight slightly. They still have a very nice horse on their hands. Yeah, and as we say, they're still big babies. We're still learning about these horses. But maybe we should all take a, that approach to life. Uh, you know, they still have a nice horse on their hands. I think it's no, there's no panic. It's a, just a nice attitude from Laura. That's probably the a better way to approach the world as opposed to just panicking um, if, if your horse gets beaten. Uh, and I suggest that that's what you do. All right. There'll be a commercial inserted there. And I'll say, oh, and by the way, uh, the show is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. And I mentioned this because you can, well, first of all, our Australian friends, I, I understand why the government are doing it, and that's for the right reasons, except that they are twisting the rules. So I have a lot of DMs from Australian listeners who, a lot of uh, Irish and British who are now Australian citizens, and hello. Yes, the Cox Plate is a great race. Yes, we're excited to see it yes we're excited for the melbourne cup even though there won't be as many european runners this year um but it's a little bit freaked out about how things are going in terms of the authoritarian state um and you can get around that with expressvpn they won't have a clue who you are they won't have a notion who you are you can uh, stream what you want you can go on to netflix and watch whatever you want you can go on to dubai and watch Dubai Racing TV. 
uh, Racing TV Dubai with our special, our esteemed special guest who has been out and about getting fantastic interviews and great content. Not Laura King that I would ever use a VPN and uh, go and watch your coverage instead of somebody else's. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but um, <coughs> you can if you if you want to. And uh, and check out what Laura and the team are doing in, in Dubai. Um, to be fair, you do make stuff available online as well. You do put it up on social media and make it available. Yeah. Yeah, all my features um, or, or our features and interviews go on our YouTube channel, which is Dubai Racing TV. And during the UAE season, you can watch our feed, our direct stream, which is awan.ae. Just click on the Dubai Racing logo on there. So all racing from Maida and Jebel Ali, the other three tracks in the UAE, you can watch on there without a VPN. <laughs> it's just for European <laughs> rights reasons. We have to block things during the summer. So once we start racing on October the 29th, you can watch all Dubai Racing online for free. All of it there for free with Laura King uh, as your host alongside a good team. But it's it's Laura's who we're interested in. Uh, Jessica Arrington had a weekend to remember and it got even better. Uh, you mentioned the Niarcos family being there uh, as you were at the Curra, And now it was obviously because they really fancied discoveries. So I'm sure Electra and the team were absolutely buzzing with her performance. Uh, daughter of Master Craftsman, she is a full sister to some illustrious horses already in the shape of Alpha Centauri and Alpine Star. Of course, trained by Jessica Harrington, uh, who has had, as we've talked about, great success. And this filly, um, she turned form around and Gary O'Brien was saying in Racing TV, a bit of a surprise result. I wasn't that surprised. Um, Andrew Blair-White tipped her on the show. And I think the better ground was a key factor for her here. Um, but she looks really exciting. Yeah, I think you might be right. Of course, it was soft ground when she was beaten by Agatha last time. In the debutant, uh, much quicker surface yesterday. I thought Agatha was actually... A very, very game in defeat. She just didn't want to give in. She's a really lovely filly. Um, there, it just uh, was a, a bit of a frustrating day, perhaps in, in some quarters for Joseph O'Brien. But uh, Discovery is a really nice filly as well. And Jessica Harrington could do very little wrong this weekend. It was fantastic to see her and Jair Lyons have such a, a good couple of days, as we we mentioned um, mentioned earlier on. And I didn't actually realise till this morning that. Jessica's very good friends of the, the Lions family. So uh, big celebrations all around, I'm sure. Yeah, well, well connected. And um, it's nice that they can then cheer each other on, um, you know, when they when they chin one another in, in a race. And of course, she's great friends with Nikki Henderson as well, uh, with the news that Altior has been retired. Um, so, yeah, breaking news that Altior retired. One of the, one of the goats. Uh, we might talk about him just before we we wrap the show. In terms of going forward for discoveries, uh, did you happen to be in the winners' enclosure, or what would be your own take on her for next season? Because you were obviously looking towards the classics, and she looks like a horse who will thrive at, at a mile, maybe ten furlongs. So, anti post bet for the guineas, Laura. Yeah, I think she's a proper Guineas filly. I did speak to, to Shane Foley briefly after the race, and he said, look, she's a genuine classic horse. She does have an entry for the Phillies Mile. It's obviously a danger that it comes up soft there, which she doesn't seem to like, as we discussed. But 
genuine top class horse in the making it looks like so as i said i think that was a strong race she won yesterday yeah jess garrington was really adamant about the fact that she wants top of the ground um i wonder is there any chance that if because it's a fallacy there's always soft ground for the arc meeting so and the and the Arcos family obviously love having winners in France. I wonder is there a possibility that they they'll enter for the Phillies race on Arc Day, but if it's if the ground doesn't suit, don't run. If it does, roll the dice. Yeah, it's gotta be a high possibility, hasn't there? The Marcel Boussac's over a mile. Um that would suit you think really well. Uh, quick enough back, wouldn't it be? We're only talking a couple of weeks, so that might mm, be a worry. Three weeks. Three weeks. Uh, three weeks okay three weeks will, will probably work but yeah i think every chance she it's a race that they consider anyway yeah yeah for sure uh some horses disappointing in behind and i'm sure the connections are probably scratching their heads uh, again aiden o'brien horse is not firing um the Dermot wealth horse was very disappointing as well so maybe as look as you were saying still has a nice horse on his hands and that applies to home of the songs as well uh, i thought concert hall stayed on very well uh, by dubawi out of was and a lot of the cool more mares have gone to dubawi again this year so more dubawis to come in the hands of aiden o'brien uh, a man who has been at the sitting at the group one top table in dubai and uh, is best known for training sprinters but really he can train any horse at any distance but for some reason he really thrives when it comes to, to sprinters and romantic proposal who didn't race as a juvenile and started her career as a miler has become one of the elite uh, definitely one of the elite sprinters in ireland now and it would have been it would have been big odds that ireland have the first and second in the Dernstown stud Flying Five Group One because the British contingent was so strong, but I was absolutely thrilled for Eddie Lynham and uh, also for Amy and particularly for Sarah as well um, because they all work so hard and they help out Eddie so much as well. Um, Sarah obviously a trainer in in her own right and has a lot of work to do, but is based uh, there in in the same yard. And um, this filly is a horse I absolutely love, and Chris Hayes. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about this because he was holding his hands up and just saying he got it badly wrong last time out. Yeah, he's a really sort of honest guy, isn't he? Um, and I think this is a, an exciting, improving filly. Um, amazing. Eddie Lino, it's, it's a kind of, I always think it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Being crowned something like Sprint King because if you get that reputation, people send you more sprinters and it kind of continues, but he's mm. far more than that. He's a very, very good trainer and a really nice guy to boot and quite a good, good training effort really to get this filly back off a 57 day break to win this reverse form with Dunista, a couple of group one winners in behind. I thought it was probably the strongest flying five we've had, certainly since the race was upgraded to group one and lovely to see a case of you who's been you know, on the go all season, really finished second for, Aidan McGuinness there, and I thought Glass Slippers ran a fine race in, in third, the defending champ. Looks like she might go on to the Abbey and then back to the Breeders' Cup again, and poor old Dragon Symbol. Oh. When's he going to get get things go his way? They've tried everything with him now, haven't they? He will get one, but not maybe going to be, not perhaps this season. He might need to wait till next year, but uh, a good race. The disappointment, of course, was Winter Power. 
Um, she was far too free. So they sort of Susan said, he just said, you can't get away with that on, on this track. But um, a really enjoyable race and a great result for a, a very popular family. Yeah, the, the York track really suits how winter power races, but that does not suit the Kerr at all. That style of no. racing just does not work there. Um, in terms of romantic proposal, uh, she's been slashed for the, the champion sprint at Ascot. Um, it's the Prix de la Abbe, though, that they're talking about. And I wonder if Breeders' Cup and, uh, I don't know, Laura, maybe a, a certain race course in the Middle East, um, one of the most glamorous uh, locations in the world, uh, Dubai, possibly Maidan, could be on the agenda mm. for her. I wonder, will, will the invite be sent? I'm sure it will. Oh, as a Group 1 winner, I'd say she's pretty much invited already. Uh, Dubai Racing Club would be very keen to have her. And, of course, Eddie's been there and done it with sole power. We would love to have him back with the, the romantic proposal. But I suppose the decision will lie with Clipper Logistics. Do they want to retire her? Do they keep her going? Um, be interesting. She's five years old already. But, oh, for sure, the authorities back at home for me in Dubai would love to have her. They are going to keep her going. So I can. Yeah, well, there we go. Perfect I, starting point for her in 2022, then I think. So I can I can tell you that she's she's going to be continuing to race, and uh, good ground almost certainly assured at Maidan for the it's the Maidan Sprint, isn't it? Uh, it would be the Alquaz Sprint. They could go to the Maidan Sprint first, but the big one on World Cup night is the Alquaz. Mm, the Alquaz Sprint. I love that race. Um, there was there was a time when. Um, Mike DeCock used to dominate that that race. Um, but, you know, obviously things changed in South Africa and uh, he's now gone to Australia and it's all a big, very interesting thing. It'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out in terms of his career with Dubai as well. But uh, the label is Fast Eddie and you're right, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because he does so well with sprinters. More sprinters are sent to him, but he's a, a fantastic trainer and I would fully echo um, your sentiments about him being a nice guy. I was on the phone to Sarah the other day and Eddie walked in and wanted Sarah's help with some race planning. And she goes, I'm on the phone, Thomas. And he just goes, huh, and walked out. I'm like, all right, that's good. Thanks, Eddie. Cheers. See you soon. Uh, so <laughs> well done to well done to him. Uh, well done to Patty Toomey as well, because uh, finally... Uh, the look turned on... Oh, by the way, sorry, just before we, we wrap up that race, um, you mentioned Dragon Symbol. Uh, I, I mean, I feel so sorry for Oshin Murphy because this was... He he broke that story right here on the final furlong that the Flying Five was going to be the plan, that they were going to go to York and then come to, to the Curra for our Champions Weekend. And he was really well-backed. And Oshin sourced this horse. Oshin bought him with his own money for a considerable amount and sold him for a considerably larger amount of money. Uh, so good man, Oshin. And uh, obviously he has a very close attachment to the horse then as well, but he's capable of winning one of these group ones. I just wonder, and I said this with Lucy on the show last week, is it a case of these sprinters just keep on beating themselves? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, you certainly could say that. I think another point to mention about Dragon Symbol, who's a super horse, he's so likable. He's now had 10 runs in 2021, 10 runs since the 1st of March. That's a pretty heavy campaign. Yeah. Maybe that he just needs a, a bit of a break. And look, he's run really well in all of them. Oh. Uh, you know, he hasn't been beaten further than, than three lengths 
all season. Um, he probably does deserve already, of course, after what happened at Royal Ascot. He's, he's probably a moral group one winner in many people's eyes. Well said. Um, it, I'm sure he'll pick one up, but this season, maybe he's got away from him. How about... He's been a super haul. Oh, I, I love him. I absolutely love him. And I just I wonder if they do give him a break and go to Delmar and end mm. up beating Wesley Ward. And it's like, sweet, sweet justice! Sweet, sweet justice! That would be exciting. It would. Uh, I mean, they do have him entered in the champion sprint, which, of course, is a, a course that we know he handles. So whether mm-hmm. that temptation is a, a great one, um, we'll have to see. But um, lovely, lovely, consistent horse. And soft ground wouldn't be a problem to him either. He He's better I on... No, I don't think so. Yeah, he's better on good ground, but, but soft ground wouldn't be a problem to him. Um, glass slippers. Delmar is a, a tight track, so... That will very much suit her, and ultimately, that's going to be the plan for her. Yeah, absolutely. She was a super winner last year in what turned out to be a very, very strong edition of the Turf Sprint over there. Uh, I, I, you can't not like this filly, can you? She's been really nicely campaigned. I guess this time she'd had one less prep run less um, before before uh, yesterday, so that might be a reason why she wasn't quite as sharp. But that said, I thought she ran a super, super race in defeat. Yeah, I would a hundred and ten percent agree with you. She's a fantastic horse. And um, we put her up on the Final Forum podcast. In fact, all four of us uh, put her up. Naomi, Barry Faulkner, Peter Fornital, and myself uh, for the Breeders' Cup on our Breeders' Cup official special Final Forum podcast. Uh, coming back to you soon for 2021 with some more announcements uh, to come for Final Forum podcast listeners. But um, Eddie, Dubai. Dubai is calling. Romantic proposal. You know you want to go. Uh, Le Petit Coco uh, turned things around for Paddy Toomey. He'd been very unlucky uh, for Irish Champions Weekend earlier. Pearls Galore ran such a storming race. Uh, La Miti de Grigio uh, ran an absolute storming race as well. You know that I've butchered that pronunciation, but if you say it fast and say it with confidence, maybe you get away with it. Um, and she's beaten Love. Uh, in you know, Love has had to give her a good bit of weight. I'm still mystified as to how love got beaten here because once she went into the lead i thought oh game over love has done it she's back in the winner's enclosure and this little horse never gave up no it was it was kind of heartbreaking in a way wasn't it for love um because if she'd have won we'd have all said fantastic it's one of the best results of the weekend but le petite coco is a very very good three-year-old filly i think um, yes, she was getting the weight, but she's on a roll, isn't she? She's won her last three. She's taking a lovely, gentle step up through the grades. Now she's won a group two. She has to go for a group one. And I'm a big fan of Team Valor and all that they stand for, because when I see their silks, I think, yay, travelling. So yes. let's see. It sounds like she goes to the Phillies and Mares at Ascot. They've been working back from that all season. That's not the end of the year. She may travel after that or maybe next year. I think she could do incredibly well over in, in America. Um, perhaps, uh, although I suppose we should point out that quite a bit of her form has come on soft ground, but she was okay on the faster surface yesterday. Just a really, really nice and exciting filly for, a, as you say, a, a trainer who kind of deserved a change of luck, didn't he? Well, big time. And the fact that Paddy Toomey's approach, there was a quote from him, which is, what is the point? In, I'm, I'm butchering this, but it was something along the lines of, what is the point in going to the sales and buying a horse that Coolmore don't want and then thinking you can beat Aidan O'Brien? <laughs> it was yeah, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he was saying. So he has a very unique approach to how he does things, and he's 
look, he's a, he's a specialist trainer. Um, he he's very selective. He has he's had what fifteen runners in total this year. Um, I think maybe twenty one horses in training, and um, he's. Sorry, he's had 15 wins in total this season. He has 51 runners in, in total. But I think it's, you know, it, it's con- considering his talent, it's a small yard. And, um, like, you look up how many horses he's entered for uh, the next few days. It's it's not that many. And I, I like the fact that he's very selective about who he trains and who he trains for and how he does things. And this horse has got some record. So um, wherever they go with her, she's going to be very very interesting in terms of love what do you do with her now i wonder if that's it um then again you know the breeding season doesn't start until february um but it's a shame because i actually lost such a little little in defeat i thought on on saturday on sunday so i don't know i I reckon i think my heart of hearts says that'll be that'll be it for love but it'd be an interesting decision discussion for them to have. Yeah, I'd be disappointed if that is the case. But I, I don't question your your uh, notion there. Um, it was also interesting to see Paddy Toomey saying that they didn't expect Love to be in the race. Um, they expect her to go elsewhere. But um, I I think they might keep going. Uh, I think that she may very well end up running in something like the the Breeders' Cup Turf because it's going to be interesting to know who they have. They've got Armory, who they could try and stretch out. But, um, yeah, I think she might very well end up going there. I, I think they'll they'll continue to roll the dice with her. But um, there was there was a little bit of rumblings around the car, I know, yesterday from some some folk that uh, retirement was on the cards. I, I don't buy it. Um, and here's why I don't buy it. Because as we look at France, Aidan O'Brien has had 45 runners, right? Once Twala has totted this up first, so thank you very much, Twala. Uh, 45 runners, one winner. And of course, that's St. Mark's Basilica. A 2% strike rate. If you want to be really uh, pernickety about it, it's actually, Laura, a 2.22% strike rate uh, for Aidan O'Brien, just so you know. Um, that's That ain't good. That's that is not good. It's two weeks since he's had uh, he's had one winner in in two weeks, um, and obviously commiserations to to the stable with losing high defin uh, with losing um, poor old uh, Inish Free, who they were so patient with, and Aiden was very excited about that horse at the start of the season on the final furlong and on the preview for the weekend as well. So uh, commiserations to to the staff and there's a there's a groom and stable staff there that are are going to be and are I'm sure absolutely devastated but that was that was horrific um and maybe he would have gone and won he was just about to make his move but snowfall gets beaten uh, I know that Tiona is a horse that you like and think shouldn't shouldn't be underestimated but she had finished well behind snowfall in the oaks um, she had been beaten by her in York as well. So, in my mind, this is not the snowfall that ran at Epsom or the Curra or indeed at, at York. And right now, for some reason, 
the Aiden O'Brien yard is just going through something. But racing's a funny old game, and in three weeks' time, things can change. So where do you stand with her in terms of the arc right now? I think three-year-old fillies in the arc have to be taken so seriously because of the, the weight concession that they get, obviously. With that in mind, it sounds like Tiona, maybe even she goes for the arc. And I do like this filly. I think she's very headstrong. We saw a little bit of that yesterday. The riders on her have done a great job in, in recent races. Ray Dawson, of course, at Windsor. And Olivier Pellier, who remains one of the best for me. He's underused, I think, these days. Yeah. Um, if they can somehow sort of harness her exuberance, then she's very, very good. And she reminds me so much of her dam ambivalence. He raced for the, the same owner, Ali Saeed. And, of course, that she was a, a Group 1 winner as, as well. She won a, a pretty poly, um, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, she did. And she was very good. And this, this filly might be even better. So... Although, yes, it was disappointing to see Snowfall beaten. Uh, she came with a bit of a run. It petered out for whatever reason. Um, I like Tiona. She's got to be respected, I think. Uh, I think she's a, a very, very nice filly and still a bit of a work in progress. And this was a strong race. We've got Philomene in behind. She was um, look, one of the, the main Godolphin French classic hopes at the, the start of the, of the season. Uh, in fact, she was second behind Joan of Arc in that, in, in that pre-Vienne. You've got Incarville in there as well. So it was a, a very, very strong race, I thought, for a, a pre-Vermey, which often isn't that strong. Mm. And Tiona is a good filly. Yeah, and they're all kind of closely punched together, except for the aforementioned Joan of Arc, who Mendezabal uh, was on board to win the pre-did Diana. It was Mendezabal was on Joan of Arc, wasn't it? Or did Ryan actually get to go over and have success? No, Mr. Mendezaval was on board, yes, indeed. Uh, because Aidan O'Brien is his Santa Claus. Um, as he as he famously said, winning his third classic in France uh, this season. So two on St. Mark's Basilica, one on Joan of Arc. Uh, she did not run anywhere close to the race that she's capable of. Uh, Frankie Dettori was asked one of the stupidest questions I've ever heard of all time. Did she feel the same to you, Frankie, as she did at Epsom? No, was his answer. A very uh, kind of stern no. Um, but he also, he was blaming himself, but in the process threw Holly Doyle under the bus, saying, well, Holly didn't go fast enough, so there wasn't enough pace in the race. So I'm, I'm sure she appreciated that and probably gave him a bollocking afterwards. Uh, and, and while he did blame himself for being so far back uh he was at pains to point out the fact that this race is it's just there was no pace in the race he was too far back holly didn't inject enough pace into the race it turns into a sprint and you have the result that you have in my mind i think of found trev uh, salmina workforce they were all beaten before going to the arc and still won the race um I'm not that worried. I'm I'm not that worried. And people are saying it's a vintage renewal of, of the arc this season. Is it? Like, is yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It is. If Adiar and Hurricane Lane turn up, um, if Mishriff turns up, it's a vintage arc. Plus, whatever Aiden throws in, it may be that the defeat of Snowfall means he sticks a couple more in there. It's a good arc, I think. The French continue don't look overly strong. Uh, there is no, that. they've got nothing. But it, it looks a, I think it looks a pretty good arc. There's very rarely a poor arc, isn't there? Solemnia's year was a bit dodgy, but generally, 
Yeah. Strong race. Got the Japanese horse as well. I think it's it's all right. Yeah, I, I quite like Chrono Genesis actually. I know that he was beaten by Mishrif and Maidan, so you would know an awful lot more about that form than than I would. But uh okay, so maybe I'm I'm completely wrong and we'll have to backtrack here. This could be a famous Kennedy backtrack. Uh Tarwana now heads the market, Hurricane Lane, a day are uh, St. Mark's Basilica is in the market. Why? I do not know because they're, they're not going to run him and he's probably never going to run again, um, as we talked about earlier on. Uh, Mishrif, who exploded back to life in York last time out. Chronogenesis, who uh, we've already mentioned and is a horse that has been targeted for this race all season and is by an arc winner as well. Um, and the Japanese, of course, are so desperate to win this race. Uh, and there's Rabia as well uh, for Jean-Claude Rougier, uh, who's kind of coming back to form. I mean, she might place possibly, uh, and and then the snowfall as well. I I just think when you look at look, Hurricane Lane's going to be very interesting, and he has to break a statistic that has been there for a very long time. No horse has done the Saint Ledger Arc Double in the same year. That's just a fact. A Dayar looks like an absolute monster, but has had a setback. Uh, Tarwana, I think, is the rightful favorite now. Chronogenesis, I think, is is a big player. Uh, I'd like a bigger price. Mishrif is probably being very underestimated here because I don't think 12 furlongs is a problem for him. Yeah, it's interesting that, that John Gosden has implied a few times that 12 furlongs is a problem for him. He, you know, he did very well to win over that at Maidan. Obviously, very different track configuration. Um, he doesn't want it really soft does he i don't suppose he's just an amazing horse you can't not love mishra um i think he's the best horse in the world on what he's achieved so far and i think even even if he doesn't win the arc he kind of still needs to be the best horse in the world because who wins grade ones on two surfaces very rare do you think he's better than saint mark's basilica well he hasn't done it on the dirt you see but i would say that with my dubai bias because i uh, and my love of american racing so i do think i think horses that can win on two surfaces are very very special indeed yeah it's so rare yeah, it, it is. That, that's what made, even though he was beaten, it made Giants Causeway so special. The fact that he ran such a monstrous race on his first start on dirt uh, and was yeah. just narrowly denied in the, in the Classic. So here's a question for you. If you could have a word with John Gosden, which race would you want to go for? Breeders' Cup turf after the arc. Breeders' Cup turf, which is what he's kind of alluded to, or the Classic? Oh, I mean, I'd love to see him in the Breeders' Cup Classic. I really would. Um, it's going to be an amazing race, whatever happens. You've got Essential Quality, you've got Nick's Go, you've got Maxfield in there. Great race. Um, Mishriff would add a really welcome European element. Um, and uh, maybe the distance suits him better than the turf. I think he has indicated before that's not likely to happen, though, and we're more likely to, likely to see him on on grass over there at Del Mar. Yeah, he, can, he, he has, but there's a part of me that feels as though maybe we can, maybe he can be persuaded to change his mind. Maybe, maybe if Laura King rings him enough times and says, you know what, the money for that race is so, John, you can't pass that up. You've got to go for it. Um, it, it would be fascinating if he did turn up in the race. Uh, and a big shout out to Michael O'Callaghan who landed a, monstrous gamble with King XGA, who opened at 9-2, but was a much bigger price the night before. He went into a lot of notebooks after his debut. 
He costs, I think it was 100,000 guineas um, this year and uh, has gone and won himself 147,000 euros. So congratulations to Michael O'Callaghan. And um, don't know what the owner wants to do, uh, Paul Nolan, but I am pretty certain that you will be getting offers, Paul. I'm pretty certain that the phone's going to be... I'm sure it's been ringing today uh, with offers for King XJ because he looks like a, a very exciting horse. Uh, of all of the horses that you saw over the weekend, Laura, what was the most exciting performance for you? Um, Again, I may be a little bit biased, but I did love Native Trail. Uh, that was a strong race. Point Lonsdale looked really tough to beat beforehand. Ebro River was already a Group 1 winner. He's just such a magnificent beast of a horse. I hate that expression, actually. He's such a magnificent-looking horse. Um, I love what he did. Um, I said to Charlie Appy afterwards, you're good at this race. And he said, oh, we're getting the hang of it. <laughs> Um, so that, that would be the highlight for me. The only good offing runner on the whole of Irish Champions weekend. Um, yes. That's not too bad. If you if you emerge with a group one, then that, that's a pretty good weekend, isn't it? It's a, it's an exceptionally good weekend. And of course, especially when he's taken the St. Ledger as well. So he's had a uh, a particularly good weekend. I, am I right in thinking he's only been beaten once in that race? Charlie uh, Master of the Seas was beaten in it last year, yeah. Yeah. That's it. But I think aside from from that, he's he's won it every time he's come over, which yeah, is... I'd say so. I mean, he hasn't. It's easy to forget he hasn't actually been training all that long. No, no, he's not. I mean, that he did take over the license in. You know, obviously there were there were controversial circumstances, but he was put in there, um, in a very diff in a very difficult set of circumstances, and yet he came. He's just absolutely blowing everyone away and um the regime has changed there as well like the the management obviously changed with john ferguson uh, stepping aside and um what they've had to deal with in in the background as well and i just think charlie is somebody who is so good for the game because he he speaks eloquently he promotes the sport brilliantly and he's a melbourne cup winner uh, multiple Group one winner in Maidan, obviously, and multiple group one winner in the UK as well, uh, for that matter. And and in terms of this season, he's now on three point six million. So he's he's taken over now, isn't he? He's now leading the race to be champion trainer, um, as Andrew Balding is is chasing him down as well. So uh, if he's he's kind of emerged from nowhere to be a superstar trainer and he very much is and he's he's had an impact on the breeders cup as well because the way he's targeted horses there particularly juveniles he's been exceptionally good at, at picking out two-year-olds to run in the breeders cup juvenile turf to succeed he's just he just seems to be a, an excellent race planner and have a great eye for what it is you should do with the horses that he has I think that's exactly it. Um, he is brilliant at race planning, which is a lot of the battle, isn't it, with training horses? I mean, for instance, next weekend, you've got two horses, three horses running in Canada and two in America. And with a view to, as you mentioned, the Breeders' Cup, you've got a couple of juveniles, Wild Beauty and Albert going over to Canada, winning in races for the Breeders' Cup. He's very good at just picking out races for these horses, getting them their fit, and winning them. 
And the great thing about Charlie is not very many people know, he's actually a, a good amateur, a good amateur jockey, a point rider, I think, back in the day. Um, so he's a proper horseman. He started doing the traveling for Godolphin. He's worked his way up through the ranks. There's no, um, there's no kind of sense of him being handed everything on a plate because he really did have to do the, the very unglamorous jobs on his way up. And he's great. You know, yesterday he 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 probably did ten interviews before he got to me. He was like, Laura, I just want to go for a, I just want to go for a drink. I just need to, you know, relax for five minutes. But he did the interview. He was he was fabulous. He's just a normal guy, and he is extremely good at his job. And He's not really targeting the championship in the UK. It's not, although Sapiens Royals won it several times, it's not really what Charlie's about. He wants to win big races around the world for Godolphin. But I think if it gets to Champions Day and he's on top, he might just run a couple more than he might have done otherwise to see if he can bag it. But uh, it's not his main focus, he told me earlier on this year. Well, that that's good to know. Uh, if you have backed Andrew Balding, by the way, I may have just given you a mini heart attack and apologies uh, Andrew Balding does still lead so he's on 3.7 million uh, but Charlie's now on 3.6 million John and Thady Galston 3.2 Aidan O'Brien 2.8 million people are saying like disappointing season for Aidan O'Brien and I am highlighting the fact that there are horses that I don't think are running well for Aidan right now 2.8 million in the UK alone that's not bad um, but it's it's a thrilling fight between John and Thady Gostin, Charlie Appleby and Andrew Balding and whoever comes out on top uh, is going to deserve it. And in terms of the Jockeys Championship, it's a way and gone for Oshin Murphy. 128 wins uh, so far. Uh, William Buick, 117. Buick, he'll, he's, he will try. He will throw everything at it. But I think Oshin is doing the exact same and he will be incredibly hard to stop. Um, my highlight of the weekend is probably... I think it's probably a romantic proposal, actually, because it's just such a great story that this mare is going to stay in training next season. She missed her two-year-old career. Um, the way the way she was campaigned, first of all, and um, it's it's exciting. It's exciting for Eddie Lineham, and I'm delighted to see him back in the Group One winners enclosure as well. Um, I'm very excited about Discoveries too, and uh, I think she's a 1,000 guineas winner in the making. A um, couple of things to, to ask you about uh, before we wrap up. Um, one, Altior. So that's it. Um, he's been an amazing racehorse, and I'm sure that there were fans who were looking forward to seeing him again this year, but he he set a world record of 19 consecutive wins over jumps before that was brought to a spectacular end uh, by surname, uh, and neither horse really has been the same since that race. I was there that day, and um, it was it was pretty epic. And the celebrations from you know, it was a great two, and yet the celebrations from Paul Nichols were were sensational afterwards. Um, they very much in enjoyed the fact that they won that race, but neither horse really was the same since. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, what would he have been at, at, at when that happened? Um, kind of nine at nine years old. Um, not that many runs since. So I suppose it's not the greatest surprise to anyone uh, that he bows out now at the age of 11. Just an amazing, amazing horse. Um, I'm full of admiration for jumps trainers because I know how hard it is to keep them sound on the flat. 
it's so difficult just getting these horses to the races. And there's so much talk about how they're, they don't run often enough, but wow, it's a difficult, difficult job. And this horse is one of the greats. I thought it was wonderful that, that the story made Sky News earlier. So rarely see races on Sky News. And in National Racehorse Week, as we've got over in the UK at the moment, it seemed a nice, a nice story. I wish they'd said where he was going. I guess they haven't yet decided what his next career will be, whether his own put him in the paddock, whether he's retrained, whatever. But um, yeah, a nice story. We always love to hear them stories of them, you know, retiring fit and well. And one of my main bugbears in racing at the moment is we don't get enough retirement stories. We hear about the greats being retired. We very rarely hear about mares being retired, unless they're top horses like Enable. Why? Why can't we hear about mares, geldings being retired? It should be something that's really pushed forward. This is where my horse is going to go next. He or she is going to um, go off to be a broodmare, a stallion, you know, in a, you know, in a far-flung place, maybe. It's still a nice career for them. Or they're going to be a riding horse. I'd love to see that almost made regulation where the horses go next it's a hot topic at the moment i think and there's a lot of good work being done in that area i must stress yeah i think you're 100 percent right because the bbc really took a story and twisted it um about the retirement of racehorses the what is happening in that abattoir show us what's happening to the goats show us what's happening to the to the sheep show us what's happening to the cows you didn't do that um, you just focused on three horses. You didn't name the well-respected horse trader. Name that person. Name him or her and throw them out of the game. Get rid of them. We don't want that person in, involved in racing. Um, so if you, you know if you have the info, BBC, then do it. But you didn't. And uh, you can listen to Nicola Naylor basically destroy them and dismantle them on, on a special edition of the Final Forum podcast, uh, The Truth About Racehorses and Abattoirs, I think is the headline. Uh, Twelve is correcting me, but it's it's pinned on our verified SoundCloud account, so you can check it out there. Um, but uh, you're 100% right about the gelding. Actually, I was invited to Pond House to attend the retirement party for Moonracer and On Tempor 2, um, because... The David Pipe team listened to the final furlong and they know what massive, what a massive fan I, I am of both of those horses. Um, and so I, I got the call to be welcomed to go over and, and uh, see them. And unfortunately, I was doing some TV work and so I couldn't do it. Um, and my face for radio rating is ideal. So why was I on TV in the first place? Uh, but I am now a honorary member of the David Pipe Racing Club and get updates every day from David and it's, it's a great thing to be part of and um, syndicates are brilliant 1.3 million in prize money uh, the Supreme Novices Hurdle I was there that day I was on min uh, it was wrong Ugh, sorry um, and uh, my friends were all on Altior and we were in the the betting ring and they were going absolutely bonkers um, having backed him so uh, they love that. Um, I was uh, lucky enough to be at Cheltenham for his article, uh, lucky enough to interview Mick Fitzgerald after he won the champion chase. And Mick said, obviously, Mick still does work with with Mick with uh, with Nicky Henderson is still very closely attached to Pond House. And he said he was the best horse he'd ever seen. And for a That's man, some accolade, isn't it? That I is mean, the amazing horses that have been through there. Exactly, and the amazing horses he's ridden, like Mick Mick Fitzgerald won the Tinkle Creek and Cotto Star. 
And in his opinion, Altior is the best horse he's ever seen. So, um, an amazing career. 1.3 million prize money. He missed the last two Cheltenham festivals. A long and healthy retirement for him. And while you were at the Curra, uh, you got to see the great Hurricane Fly and Hardy Eustace being paraded around, which I think is a brilliant initiative. That's something that is fantastic as well, bringing out the old, the old favourites and showing us how well they're looking. And you can go and see them at the Irish National Stud as well, which is just a, a, a brilliant thing. So uh, it's something that I, I love, and I love the fact that they they um, bring that into the game as well. Um, one final thing in terms of Bloodstock, Goffs are going to host a Dubai World Cup breeze-up sale at Maidan in 2022. It's going to take place two days before the Dubai World Cup. That's a really exciting news and really exciting move for Dubai. It is. It's the first time we've had a, a sale of, of this type. Um, I think in the, the whole of the Middle East, to be honest, not, not just Dubai. Um, and it means that the owners from the, the Middle East, not again, not, not just the UAE, can access some horses that have kind of been cherry-picked, really, for racing in the UAE. And it's the, the brainchild of Dubai Racing Club, along with Goffs, Tom Taff and Nick Nugent have been working really hard on this, and they're going to source the horses. And they've had a lot of interest already from vendors. And I spoke to, to Nick about it yesterday at the Curra, and he was stressing that these are horses that, although they're breeze-up horses, they won't be asked to breeze in the American sense at the, at the, the Racetrack World Cup week, because these are horses that we want racing in Dubai for several years. So they're putting the emphasis on longevity. I think the sale will be really well supported. It's happening in a week where most of the major players in the bloodstock industry are in Dubai just because it's a really fun place to be that week. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I think it'll do really, really well. So um, looking forward to it. It's going to be a, a glitzy occasion. And let's hope we find a few winners out of it. 69 horses in total. And designer Sheikh Mohammed is uh, going to provide the transport, I believe, to get them all uh, over to, uh, to Dubai. To be fair, that's incredibly generous. Like- it is. Uh, you know, He wants to support the industry as he always has done. And, you know, we have so many enthusiastic owners in the UAE and surrounding countries who will really welcome the chance to, to, to buy horses that are kind of, well, they are, that they're, they're untested. They don't have maybe any little niggles. A lot of the horses we get in Dubai have done a fair amount of racing over in, in Europe. Um, so, you know, there's a, a little bit of wear and tear. The trainers in Dubai are so excited about getting a fresh crop of horses to start from scratch with. And this will sort of enhance the, the two-year-old program that we have, which starts in, in November each year and runs into our, our classics um, at Maidan Racecourse, which sort of start, that classic program starts in the January of the year and builds up to the UAE Derby on, on Dubai World Cup night. And there's so many trainers based in Dubai now. Um, James Willoughby made a really interesting point, which is stuck in my head um, for, for quite some time. He said this a year ago. And he was talking about, actually, he said it two years ago. Apologies. It was on racing TV. And um, he was talking about prize money in the UK. And he said, if you are a businesswoman or a businessman, and or whatever, whatever your line of work is, and you are in the position to become involved in racehorse ownership, and that's what you do. Um, and let's say you're flying to America and you're flying to Dubai and you're going back and forth. Why are you keeping your horse in the UK when 
your horse is running in a maiden for two grand, but you could run in a maiden special weight in New York for 20 grand or you know, obscene amounts of money. Not, not to even mention the amount of prize money that's available in Dubai. And if you are traveling there, if you're traveling to Medan quite a bit and traveling to du- Dubai quite a bit, um, the advantage of having your horse over there and the prize money, you win one race. That's the horse's training fee paid for for the entire season. Um, and I know that Dubai is, is associated with glitz and glamour and phenomenal wealth, but that's not the case for everybody. But the prize money makes it a very attractive uh, race course and uh, area to, to be in. And if you're going to be in the UK for six months of the year and Dubai for six months of the year, why wouldn't you have your horse there when the prize money is so big and when the program has opened up and improved so much more as well? Because the, the program is very different now. It's not like it was 10 years ago. The program from Maidan kicks off quite early, Laura. Yeah, it does. We start going at Maidan on the 4th of, of November. Uh, we do have very, very strong prize money. I mean, Dubai wasn't completely immune to the the pandemic, um, mm. but they have just announced a boost in prize money to, to World Cup night, as, as we touched on earlier on. And training fees are very competitive. You're looking at around about a thousand, a little bit more a month to keep your horse trained in some of the best facilities that the world has to offer. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, and, and we're racing maidens for sort of 10,000, 12,000 pounds. It's not bad. It really isn't. And, you know, that's there's maidan, there's another four tracks as well. Um, and one thing I would say is it's such good fun. It really is brilliant to have a horse race at Maidan, one of the glitziest venues there is. And we look after people. We we work hard and we we uh, we know how to have a good time as well. How, how much do you love? Like, is your love of Dubai so much that uh, a return to the UK is not imminently on the cards for you? Oh, I mean, never say never. I, I love Dubai. It's been my home for 16 years. It's been incredibly good to me. And it's allowed me to travel the world, which I'm, I'm so grateful for. Um, I wouldn't be here in Ireland right now without my, my job by racing channel. Um, so oh, I, I love it. I've been, been so fortunate. And say the six months of the year when we race are just fantastic. Um, the summer can be a little slow, um, but the, 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 the months where we're racing maybe four times a week at all the different tracks, I absolutely love it. It's brilliant. Yeah, I really enjoy racing at Medan. Uh, I, I really enjoy trying to crack it. And I was booked to go to Medan in 2020. <sighs> uh, yes, very unlucky. You and many other people. Yes. Hard that story that week. There, and I was heading to the Melbourne Cup as well. Lockdown oh. and still lockdown. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe the Breeders' Cup this year. Maybe um, we can read your content in uh, TRC commentary. Uh, so that is uh, thoroughbred uh, thoroughbredracing.com, which genuinely is a absolutely fantastic site. Uh, you also contribute to the Racing Post as well, but um, your main stuff is with Dubai Racing TV. And as we were speaking about kind of off-air earlier on, you're very good uh, with the channel. Like the channel is Dubai Racing TV at, at Dubai Racing TV on the 
social media, if you want to use my mouth words correctly. COVID, and it's been a long day. Um, You're very good at uploading your features and not just holding them back for... um, for the viewers in Dubai, you make them available for everybody to see. And that's great because you've just done a feature uh, today with your lines. So that I'm sure will be available. And you've also done some bloodstock features in Ireland as well. Um, So all of that is going to be available on Dubai Racing TV and you will make it available online on social media as well. We will. Jay Lyons is absolutely brilliant to talk to. He doesn't hold back, as people know. Um, he's such a good trainer. I don't think he it needs me to tell people that. His record speaks for itself. Really entertaining. So exactly what he thinks. Just great stuff. I'll put the feature out in full on, on Dubai Racing Channel's YouTube in the next couple of weeks. It's, it's so good. You have to watch it. And also paid a visit to Club Dangenstead. Saw some gorgeous stallions. Unfortunately, Blue Point and a few of his mates shuttling at the minute, but yeah. uh, let's catch up with a few of their old boys, Ravens Pass and, and Tiafilo. That was great. And then I'm off to the Irish National Stud tomorrow. Oh, brilliant. So you might see good old Hurricane Fly. Um, I will. I love this. Any Anything to do with retired racehorses. Um, my regular Twitter followers and viewers will know that. It's a real passion of mine. So... Yeah, looking forward to that. It's great. I, I think it's fantastic. You can go along there and you're going to make a bit, of a bit of a day of it, I thought, because you can have lunch, you can do all sorts of things at the Irish Nationals. So that'll be good. Yeah, no, you you um, you certainly can. Uh, we have had 18,000 listens in 2021 uh, from Dubai. So unless someone is using multiple devices and like constantly going back and forth, unless it's you, Laura, and uh, your whining husband. I can say that because that's what you called him yourself on social no, media. No, whinging. Whinging. Whinging husband. Whinging yeah. husband. Apologies. I, I, have to, I, ca- I can't say that he whinges today because it's, it's our wedding anniversary. So I have to be nice about him today. Oh, my God. Uh, well, first of all, happy wedding anniversary. And, um, yeah, you're still a whiner. Uh, Laura's, yeah. Laura's he, might, he might actually be whinging today because he's celebrating his wedding anniversary on his own. So Aww. not that popular, I don't suppose. Well, do you, can you do like a FaceTime and pop a bottle of Moet on different continents and say hi? I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can. Oh, we can postpone it to next week, to be honest. He did actually remember, whereas um, I was kind of hoping he'd forget. But uh, yeah, not very popular. It's the first one I've missed. So, yeah. <laughs> The one time, the one time you're like, please don't remember, please don't remember, please don't remember. Um, but yes, in lockdown, we have had a, a surge in, in listenership from Australia, who are now ranked fifth, um, the United States and uh, Canada, uh, and, and also the UAE. So um, lots of listeners in, in Dubai. And that means that you are the star of this show, Laura. Um, because Great, I'm very happy to hear you've got listeners in Dubai, that's good. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic, um, but it means that the, the people are tuning in for you, Laura. You're the, the superstar uh, on the show. So um, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Um, it's great that you're here in Ireland, and uh, I very much hope that I can get to Maidan in 2022. Um, I know that there's a very famous Irish bar in Dubai, so maybe we could do a Dubai preview or something on those lines uh, there, and there might be some 
Jemson thrown around for the evening. Uh, other beverages are available, like Coca-Cola, which I'm currently addicted to. Uh, other beverages are available as well, you know, Pepsi, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, Coca-Cola is the best. I don't care. Um, but if, um, yeah, if we get to do that, I would I would love to, to have you involved in that. And uh, please, God, we get to actually meet up and be there for either Super Saturday or Dubai World Cup night. It'd be great to, to head over there. Well, it'd be lovely to have you. We make people very welcome. And, and Maidan and, and Jabal Ali as well are, are must-do trips for uh, for uh, racing fans. Um, other tracks are available. So we have five in the UAE. They all make you very, very welcome. And I can certainly say that Whinging Husband is on hand to take all visitors to a range of Irish pubs. <laughs> and is currently uh, babysitting for you as well. You're You're free, Laura. You're free. I you know. can sleep easy at night. You can watch Netflix. You can do whatever it is you want. I always ask our, our guests this. What are you currently watching? Um, what am I currently watching on Netflix? Um, oh, or anything. Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, wh whatever. I tell you what I watched on the plane. I watched a film called Dream Alliance. Mm. About, about, yeah, you know, Dream Horse, I think it's called actually, about Dream Alliance. Um, yeah. We I'm did. Not sure if I, we did. I'm not sure if I could overlook the the inaccuracies enough to uh, enjoy it. But uh, Damien Lewis was was fantastic. But um, any racing fan would spot the small inaccuracies straight away. Give us give us the inaccuracies briefly for you. Well, jockeys don't tack up at the races. <laughs> my experience. <laughs> So True. things yeah. like that are a little annoying, but you know it's a very enjoyable film. I, I do recommend people watch it. It's heartwarming and it's lovely. It's but yeah, there's a few things I couldn't quite get past. Uh, here, here's one for you. Sony Pictures UK actually got in touch with us and sponsored the show and got Own Teal to come on um, from Game of Thrones. My my introduction to Own Teal, and we were supposed to have him for like 20 minutes, and we ended up having him for I think an hour. Uh, in the end, and Twella cut it down to, to 40 minutes. Is that right? For, was it 40 minutes in the end? Yeah. Um, he's an absolute gentleman. And uh, my introduction to him was he's been part of two of the most iconic TV shows and two of my favorite television shows, playing a uh, dastardly character in uh, Line of Duty, and which hopefully comes back for another season because we need more. And uh, also Game of Thrones, where essentially every line was that bastard Jon Snow and he burst out laughing. That could have gone either way, uh, but he's a, he's a gentleman. He looks like such a giant but, and, and, he's, and looks like such a, a tough guy and he's such a kind, warm, um, you know, typical Welsh uh, person, just really uh, lovely, kind individual. And um, uh, you're right, there are inaccuracies in, in the film, but at the same time, I, I absolutely loved it. And I'm not just saying that because Sony Pictures paid the Final Furlong podcast <laughs> to come on the show and promote it. Um, but that was that was great. Um, I will say that I had given up on The Walking Dead and I've gone back to it because it's the final season. So I started, I, w I went back a little bit. It's on Disney+. Plus in Ireland and the UK uh, on Star on Disney Plus and I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it but I'm what I'm really enjoying is Vigil the new show from Jeb Mercurio of Line of Duty and um, Bodyguard fame and um, Saran Jones uh, Kit Harrington that bastard Jon Snow 
uh, her her she's his wife and um, she was in the good fight as well as Game of Thrones and she's fantastic in it um, as is former Game of Thrones actor Stephen Dillahan who's one of the best actors on television so I would highly recommend you go on the iPlayer and if you're in Ireland <coughs> you can use ExpressVPN and um, you know maybe allegedly you could use ExpressVPN maybe I'm being paid to say this maybe I'm not and uh, make out that you're in the United Kingdom and use the BBC iPlayer to your heart's content because we can't use it in Ireland ourselves. But you can use it on your laptop if you use ExpressVPN and switch to London and uh, on you go. And maybe I'm watching Killing Eve now as well. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Laura. And uh, please, God, we will get to talk to you again, um, hopefully talking about Dubai uh, but maybe in the lead up to the Breeders' Cup as well, because you know so much about Godolphin and you have such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, racing, but also bloodstock and uh, the entire industry. And your kind words about Ireland will forever be remembered by the Irish listeners of this podcast. So you are instantly a final Furlong podcast legend. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Laura King, take care. God bless. We'll chat to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Final Furlong Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Tote. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app.